55 years after what? It's a Detroit. It's a damn shame. 27 years after Rodney King. It's a damn shame. Six years after Michael Brown. It's a damn shame. Six years after Eric Gardner. It's a damn shame. Five years after Sandra Bland. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame that we are here. Welcome to The Daily Brew from the Stanford Daily. I'm Ellie Wong, and today we're sharing audio clips recorded by daily photographer Sarah Bloom at a youth march in Illinois, protesting police brutality and the death of George Floyd. We started at one intersection near downtown Evanston. We kind of marched in a big loop and ended up in the parking lot of the high school, um, the high school where I went to. And there was a bunch of speakers there, people from like different ages, different backgrounds. My name is Michael Neighbors, and I serve as president of the Evanston North Shore NAACP. I am here on, on behalf of my son to tell you about his experience with police misconduct and abuse of power. I am an attorney here in Evanston, right on Main and Custer. My name is Carla Thomas. I am an Evanston resident and one of the founders of the organization Evanston Skokie People Committed to Anti-Racism. My name is Devon Reed and I am your city clerk here. One of the most moving parts for me was at the end, they had an open mic so people from the community could just come up and share their stories and their experiences. So we want to prioritize uh, black and brown voices, voices of people directly uh, impacted by racism. Uh, If you feel like you want to share a poem, story, a call to action, please, in a socially distant fashion, come up right here on my right, and we will give space for that. I think those stories like struck home in a way that, you know, reading articles or having class discussions or anything like that could never equate to hearing the stories from people that like of their lived experience. Like one girl talked about her brother, like being put in like the back of a paddy wagon by police officers because he was riding on the back of someone's bike and went across the street. When my brother was 12 years old, he got arrested. Uh, My heart dropped. I'm like, how's my little 12 year old brother who still pokes at me and makes jokes all the time and looks like the sweetest thing in the world. So I might cry. I'm getting arrested. So I, I go to the police officer and I'm like, excuse me, what's going on with my brother? Why is he in a paddy wagon in a cell? And why can I see his little face between the bars? And he didn't know, he didn't know what was going on. It was so disheartening for me because they couldn't get me an answer. So did you talk to my parents? No answer. I said, can you put me in his place? No answer. When a kid goes across the street and the light's red and they're in danger and a car honks, wouldn't your first instinct be to call their parents to see if they're okay? And you arrested my little brother who's 12 years old. I think you wonder why black people and police officers don't have good relationships is because of things like this. It starts from a young age and it starts from them. There were people of all different ages who spoke. I think most of them tended to be around my age. So in high school, graduated high school and college, that kind of range. My name is Irvin Nostalgic. I grew up in the streets, man, right here on these, uh, I'm Dodge in California right there. I went to this high school right here. And it's a beautiful thing to see all these people gathering in the name of love and justice. It's a beautiful thing to see a community get together when they see something that went wrong 
and that we all feel in our hearts is disgusting. And no one should ever fear for their lives. This is a beautiful place that God created, whether you believe it or not, that's what I do. My name is Brandon Ruffin. I graduated from ETHS in 2015. My uncle's in state penitentiary right now. He did a horrible crime a long, long time back. He was an accomplice to a murder. When he was interrogated, there was police brutality at hand that made him to confess more than he did. He's in jail for the rest of his life. I write him every day. That's one of the people that I fight for. I also fight for my little brother who's 14. If you walk around without the acknowledgement of what it means to be black as a black person, someone's gonna make it apparent to you. Whether it be the police, whether it be someone who's not black, someone's gonna make it apparent that you can't do everything that you wanna do. You can't do everything that other people can. Because if I don't teach my little brother how to operate, someone else is gonna teach it to him. There were a few people who spoke who were mothers or grandmothers or people who were older, who've been kind of seeing all of this stuff for so long. On March 30th, 2020, Demetrius Bogan was shot by a female officer from the Skokie Police Department at the 7-Eleven located on Ogden and Crawford. As of today, no evidence from Skokie has been turned over to his lawyer for review. He survived and he is currently recovering in Cook County Hospital. Since then, he has been now charged with attempted murder. In my investigation, I've learned that Skokie has not adopted the State of Illinois Body Camera Act, which was enacted in January of 2016. Black folks, we rely on video footage to be our voices when others have dismissed us. After the shooting, while my son was still in ICU, Skokie police released the narrative that they were in fear of their lives. In other words, my son was a threat and so they shot him. Without the body cam video, we have to navigate through this justice system that isn't blind. I stand here today, this afternoon, as a mother raising two black kids in this community. As a black woman in this community, I have to fear for my children throughout their entire childhoods that the very people my taxes pay to employ could be harmful to them. My son gets stopped on an average of six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a month. He has never been arrested, but he gets stopped. He's a graduate from this school. He's an athlete, he's given back. He has not been one that has, has done anything to deserve to be stopped. That I know of, because <laughs> I'm a parent and I'm real. <laughs> but I spent my morning talking him down. 22 years old, all black, six foot one, 200 and maybe 50 pounds on a good day from his anger. And then I supported my niece because I was telling him, your responsibility is to cover her. I understand that you mad, and he said, Mom, why aren't you mad enough? And I said, you just don't know, I am enraged 24-7. Ending with the words of Stevie Wonder, we all must be given the liberty that we defend. 
For with justice not for all women and men, history will repeat again. It's time we learn this world was made for all women and men together. God bless you. All of these audio clips were provided by Stanford Daily photographer Sarah Bloom. To learn more about the protests in Evanston, please check out her article and photo gallery called Photographing the Evanston Youth March, which is linked in the description box. To hear other podcasts from the Stanford Daily, go to stanforddaily.com category podcasts. To end this episode, we'd like to share a poem written and recited by one protester. My name is Sanait. I'm a young African-American young woman. Um, I'm also a poet and a singer. And I wrote a poem a minute ago about be, me being who I am in this world, in the same world that we all live in, but somehow I feel so different even though we all believe the same. It's called I Cannot. I cannot expect the unexpected when the unexpected is expected. I cannot say I am fine when the power of seven letters can be the equivalent of suicide. I cannot say don't shoot when the power of eight letters can be the equivalent of violence. And as I think about it, I cannot say it's the absence of them that hurts. Nor can I say it is the presence of them that hurts more. And I cannot say I'm sorry I left them when they were never sorry they left me. And I cannot walk up to the streets of Chicago and point to the center of my body and tell them this is where it hurts. I cannot sit next to a stranger on the CTA and point to a phone that is inches away from their face and tell them this is what we see. I cannot confront a stranger at a gas station and point to the gasoline that they are pumping into their car and tell them this is the air I breathe. I cannot remove the earphones that are lodged into a stranger's ears centimeters away from their brain and ask them if they can hear the world end. I feel feeling. I feel that I cannot hate the hated only because the hated hate them. I feel that I cannot make peace with the world unless I make peace with myself first. I feel I cannot build a new world until our generation decides what to do with it. I feel that once I'm on my deathbed, I will realize how little I have made a change. And now when I say change, I really mean difference. I'm put in a space with the next changers, where my broken heart and loneliness are rolled into a ball like used tissue and thrown away like everything else is, as well as my confidence and power rolled into a ball like tissue thrown away like everything else is. I cannot simply tell you what I plan to do with my life in the next 10 years. And just like rolled up tissue, I roll up those questions of my future and gently place them in my past. I cannot confidently say I will make it past the age of 21 without losing myself or somebody else. I cannot confidently walk down the streets of my hood with a full face of makeup without a guarantee of feeling uncomfortable. And I cannot wear too tight of pants of my, because my jeans and these jeans mean a lot of eyes where I don't want them to be. And I cannot say I believe in love when all I learned to believe was love was temporary. And I cannot say I believe the children are our future if everybody is killing them. I cannot expect the unexpected when the expected is unexpected. Thank you.